What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. It's good to be with you today. Uh, my name is Hunter, and thank you for listening to the Hunter's Quest podcast. And today is my first solo video podcast. So uh, if you're listening, you can watch this on YouTube if you feel so inclined. Um, but anyway, um, since it is my first solo YouTube podcast, um, I thought it'd be fitting to talk about my first solo backcountry hunt, which was a hunt here in my home state of Virginia uh, this last fall. So, um, you know, we talk a lot on the show about adventure and uh, excitement and kind of these big, big trips. Um, and those are amazing. And I definitely recommend, you know, uh, traveling, you know, getting outside of your comfort zone and, and just going on these, you know, bucket list type hunts, uh, whenever you can. But the fact of the matter is there is plenty of adventure to be found right in your own backyard too. So, um, you know, you can, you can, uh, find adventure just a couple hours from your house, just as easily as you can, you know, jumping on a plane and going to the other side of the world. So I thought it'd be worthwhile to share my experience with you guys uh, in my first kind of backcountry trip, uh, multi-night kind of thing. Um, so I've done lots of hunting alone. Um, but like I said, this was the first time I went, um, you know, on a multi-day, you know, overnight uh, trip by myself. And it's something that like, you know, as a younger hunter, and um, someone less experienced, you know, the idea of camping by myself never really appealed to me or, um, you know, it just, it just didn't sound very fun and um, it just sounded kind of creepy, you know, um, but, you know, as I've grown as a hunter and as a man and, um, you know, gotten some experience out West and, and also just some personal development and learning about, you know, the importance of stretching yourself and doing hard stuff and pushing yourself and getting out of your comfort zone. Um, I decided, um, you know what, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and just go on a hunt by myself. Um, not to mention, you know, it's just, you can't always jump on an airplane and go on one of these big time hunts, you know, especially if you, um, you know, work a normal nine to five or you got kids, you know, sometimes it's just not really that doable. So, um, but a lot of guys can jump in your truck for the weekend or, you know, take off on Friday, um, you know, go for two or three days. And so, um, not only that, but it's also a great place to start if you want to start getting into doing more adventure hunts, or if you want to test out your gear and see what it's like just to hunt solo for a while. So, um, especially if you live out east, like here in Virginia. So I live in southeastern Virginia, Chesapeake. Um, and, you know, I I went to Alaska last year, but that was my only like mountain hunting trip. And so about November, I started getting the itch to get back in the mountains and and do another backcountry style hunt. So I just said, I just decided I'm going to pack up my truck and drive out to the western part of the state. So like I said, my home state is Virginia and we have tons of great um public land on the western part of the state, uh, the Jefferson and National, or Jefferson and Washington National Forest. There's also some great wildlife management areas and stuff like that. We have some wilderness areas and some really rugged country. And, um, you know, a lot of states here on the East Coast have um, lots of public land in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, you know, it doesn't get talked about as much, uh, you know, um, 
some areas the deer densities can be low and that kind of thing. And it is tough hunting. It's rugged country. Um, but you know, if you just want to go out and have an adventure, it's awesome. Not to mention, you know, you know, you don't got to play the tag game. You don't got to worry about not getting drawn. Like here in Virginia, you, you buy your hunting license and your deer tags. I think you get six deer tags and, um, and then you just got this wide open, just possibilities out in front of you of all this, all this mountainous terrain and really, uh, nice ex- extensive trail systems uh to get you back in there um rugged beautiful mountainous country and also like no pressure guys like you know if you go out there in bow season or muzzleloader in my experience you will barely see anyone if at all um and certainly if you get like more than a couple hundred yards off of a main road, you will not see anyone. Even in rifle season, I've done rifle out there too. And we saw a few guys out there, but again, if you're willing to just get a little bit off of a main road, you have just tons of land to yourself. So, um, you know, if you've been thinking about getting into adventure hunting or you just want to get out for a long weekend, just, just, uh, plan just start having fun, plan something in your own home state. If you live out East or wherever, man. So, um, so anyway, so about, like I said, it was November, the first week of November and I decided to go out and do the muzzleloader season. So the muzzleloader season opens about a week, uh, before rifle comes in, in most counties, uh, here in Virginia, Um, you know, on the national forest, it is, uh, buck only except for on a few Saturdays of, uh, of the year, but I'm going to pull up my phone here and kind of go through some of the, uh, the pictures and stuff I took just to kind of keep me on track with the story. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, I started off by kind of doing some e-scouting and like I said, I just, I just had that itch and, uh, you know didn't have the time or money or whatever to go on another trip. Just got back from Alaska, but I was able to talk my wife into letting me go, uh, like for like a three day weekend. And so just started e-scouting, uh, using Onyx, checking out different areas and, um, and looking at the counties and the wilderness areas and stuff like that. And I found a, a pretty cool, um, good looking spot. Um, I believe it was in Augusta County this year. Um, and I found what looked like a kind of, um, an older trail or logging road that had been closed to vehicle traffic that had what looked like a nice kind of clearing about a mile off the road. Um, so my plan was to head in there and, um, you know, hike in with all my gear and set up camp in this clearing. And so that's what I did. So, um, you know, I was using all my same kind of Western, you know, ultralight backpacking stuff that I had kind of accumulated for Alaska. So I have my XO, uh, K3 4,800. And, um, what I did with that was I have a kind of lightweight, uh, lone wolf, uh, tree stand climbing stand. And, um, I haven't got into saddle hunting yet. That's something that I might want to get into at some point. Um, but in the meantime, this lone wolf, uh, tree stand, this climber is pretty light, um, and uh, pretty low profile. So I threw that thing in like the meat shelf of my pack. It fit in there really nicely. Uh, it's not super light, but it fit in there nicely. And then I had my, uh, you know, big Agnes, uh, copper spur, ultralight tent, 
you know, clothing, uh, I think food for three days and, um, you know, cooking stuff, uh, my muzzle loader, extra loads, extra charges. Um, and, uh, it's pretty much it, uh, you know, sleep system. Yeah, not a whole lot, but, um, it was pretty much uphill. Uh, once I had to cross over this little Creek right when I started, um, and you know, it was off a pretty well-established, uh, logging road on national forest, but, um, there was nobody at the trailhead parked. Um, and, uh, yeah, so crossed this little Creek and just started and, you know, it was a little weird to be honest, like heading in alone for the first time, like just, you know, just something I'd never experienced before. So it was a little eerie. Um, but it was, it was kind of like that game time feeling in your stomach and, um, and looking back on it, it's, uh, an awesome experience. Um, although it was just a little creepy, you know, the first time you do it. So, um, anyway, I started hiking in and, um, it was pretty decent uphill and my pack was pretty heavy with muzzle loader and tree stand, um, and all my gear. But, um, I started seeing sign like right away, um, which was, which was cool. There was tons of rubs all over the, the side of this little, I don't even know what you would call it. It was like a footpath, but it wasn't like a hiking trail. I really don't know why this area was there. It was just like a little trail up to a clearing, like a little field. Maybe it, maybe it used to be a farm back in the day or something. I don't know, but only about, I'd say maybe an acre, yeah, maybe three to five acre little clearing, maybe smaller. I'm not really sure, but anyway, hiked in there and started seeing red sign right away. And got some pictures here. I'm looking at some rubs I was looking at. And, um, so that was encouraging. Um, so I, I got in there, set up my camp and the plan was I'd East scouted the whole area and, um, it looked like some, some decent spots back in the woods, some like laurel thickets, and it went down this ravine into a creek. And, um, the plan was to kind of get in there, get camp set up, and then look for a place to hunt that evening, but mainly kind of scout, find a spot to hunt and th- the next morning. So kind of find a spot, hang my stand and sit there if I had time, but mainly look for a, an identify a really good spot for in the morning. So, so after I get camp set up, lightened the load, um, grabbed my muzzle loader and started hiking around. And again, I was seeing pretty good sign on all the edges of this clearing and whatnot. Um, and there's a huge Oak tree, like kind of in the middle of the clearing that was dropping just tons of acorns. So I was feeling pretty good. And then I started hiking back into the woods and, um, you know, as most of you guys probably know, if you've done any e-scouting and then actually get boots on the ground, like, you know, the, the aerial maps don't tell the full story. So, you know, I got about 20 yards into the woods on the north side of this clearing and it was pretty much impenetrable. Like it was just so thick. And so I kind of had to turn around. Like, I mean, it was just not even huntable. It was so thick. And, um, so I turned around kind of came back to the clearing was kind of confused as to what to do. Decided I would try this other side to see if I could go on the East side of this clearing and drop down into this, into this ravine. Um, and, and kind of follow that Creek and see if I could find any sign down there or whatever. And so, 
Again, it was super thick trying to get out there. And for whatever reason, this was November 3rd, but it was really hot. I think it was like, man, high 70s, maybe close to 80 in the heat of the day, which was unseasonably hot, but that's Virginia weather is crazy. But so I'm sweating and, you know, trying to fight through this uh, laurel. And um, anyway, so I got to kind of the edge of the of the ravine there. And it was way steeper than I thought and way thicker again. Like it was, um, it was, it was bad. So, you know, I figured, man, I can fight my way down there, probably take a couple hours and get down there basically at dark. Cause this was about 2 PM at this point. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, have maybe 30 minutes before dark and then have to fight my way back up here. I was like, I just don't, I just didn't think it was worth it. And it was so thick and so steep. Like it was basically unhuntable. So, so I managed to come out of there and I was just like, man, I was just confused. So I decided, um, it's not ideal, but I was just going to kind of sit on this clearing, um, for the evening and possibly the morning as well. So, um, like I said, in the middle of the clearing, there was this huge, um, huge oak tree dropping tons of acorns and the wind was pretty good. So I set up, I found a tree and I set up on the edge of this clearing and just decided to see if, you know, maybe something would pop out into the open of this clearing. I'd say from where my tree stand was to the other side of the clearing, it was probably like 200 yards, um, which is definitely not in my max effective range with that muzzleloader. Uh, I was borrowing my friend Ned's muzzleloader, um, so I hadn't had a ton of practice with it. Uh, it's a CVA Wolf, which is a great weapon system that you can get really cheap if muzzleloader is an option in your area. Um, so nice gun, but um, for a good price. But yeah, anyway, 200 yards is just outside my range. But you know, I had pretty good visibility of this whole kind of clearing, and I thought, you know, maybe something will pop in here, and we'll and we'll get a get a shot. So. Got up in there. It got actually kind of chilly that night and threw on my uh, my Kuyu puffies, which are like wearing a sleeping bag. Um, so stayed nice and comfortable, but did not see any deer that night. Um, and then, you know, climbed down and um, went back to camp. And uh, I didn't really have any light source. I didn't make a fire. Um looking back, I probably would have made a fire. Um, but I don't know. I was pretty tired. I wasn't planning on staying up super late anyway. So I just kind of like cooked a little mountain house and sat there in the dark and ate that. And it was a little eerie. I won't lie. Um, you know, some guys are probably listening to this and think I'm a huge wimp, but it was just like, the, like I said, it was the first time I've done a solo, you know, kind of trip like this. And so it was, it was a little creepy. I'm not going to lie. Um, but not a big deal. So yeah, ate my mountain house and just called it a night, crawled in the tent. Um, I, on these ultralight hunts, I think I've been over it before, but I have a Thermarest Neo air ultralight pad, which is a great little system. I have, I use an inflatable pillow, like just the way I sleep, I'm a side sleeper and I need to have something under my head or else my neck just gets jacked. Um, and usually try to put something between my legs, whether it's a jacket or something. But, um, and like I said, my tent is that 
Big Agnes Copper Spur, um, UL Ultralight, um, high volume tent. It's a really good tent. I took that to Alaska last year, kept me dry through days of rain. And, um, I think it's a little over two pounds or something. Um, great little one man tent, um, big vestibule on it. So you can keep gear in there and stuff. But, um, anyway, slept pretty good. Um, and, uh, I think I had a 15 degree bag, um, which was plenty. So anyway, woke up the next morning and, uh, you know, I didn't have a, any other choice cause it was, like I said, I didn't find anything in that spot. Um, so I was just going to kind of sit in the morning, uh, back in the same tree and, um, and, and just hope I saw something. I didn't have super high expectations for the morning, to be honest. Um, so the goal was just to kind of sit, see what I see, and then, um, you know, hit the road and try to find something better for the next evening and next morning. So, um, you know, that's always fun waking up super early in the dark and getting dressed, but, um, but got my stuff together, headed out and sat in my tree and man, about the time I got up, it was still pitch black dark. So I usually get in the stand about an hour before, um, sunrise, which some guys probably think that's way too early, but I just like to get everything, get in, especially like in a climber with all that gear and all that stuff. I like to get in, get settled and give the woods plenty of time to quiet down, you know, before, um, before stuff starts heating up. So it's so about an hour before day or before sunrise and just about 10 minutes after I got in my stand, I heard this dog barking and I'm like, what is that? Like who the heck has a dog back here before sunrise in the pitch black dark, like more than a mile back in off the road. And so I keep listening and it turns out it was a coyote but I just never heard a coyote bark like that. Um, like it sounded exactly like a dog. Uh, it was super weird. And so the thing just sat there barking at me for like, it seemed like like 10 minutes. And then a couple other ones sort of chimed in, started barking. I think they had winded me, but didn't know maybe, or maybe they heard me. I'm not sure. Maybe they saw me walk in. I'm not sure, but it was kind of like they weren't sure what I was. So they were just sitting there barking at me. And anyway, that was strange. And, um, I'm not going to lie. I was glad that I was up in a tree at that point, but, <laughs> um, just kind of weird. I'd never heard that before. So anyway, that they eventually stopped and, um, and it was a pretty chilly morning actually. Um, but I was layered up and, um, and just sitting there waiting. And, um, then like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe an hour after sunrise or something. Um, I did see a doe moving just off, just on the other side of the woods from me, other side of the clearing, just inside of the woods. Um, so, you know, I was, like I said, I was not hopeful really about this spot. So just seeing something up and moving, I was encouraged and, you know, being that it's early November, there's always a possibility there's a buck nearby if you see a doe. So I saw her move across and I was kind of like, okay, all right, maybe, maybe this will be all right. Um, and again, she was way out of range, but, um, and I just saw her for a minute, but it's always good to, when you see something at least verifies like your existence of being there. It's like some sort of hope. So anyway, um, but then like 
maybe 30 minutes after that, I still to this day have no idea what it was, but I heard what sounded like, I can't even describe it. It sounded like a steam, like, like half a dozen like steamrollers or like a vehicles or something like rolling through the full, the leaves that were on the ground, like and it started like a wave, like really loud on the other side of the clearing from me and went and moved through. But I'm not exaggerating. Like, I, you know, Granted, this, like I said, was my first backcountry kind of solo thing, but I've spent a lot of time in the woods and in tree stands. Uh, I've never heard anything like this. It, it's like it's really hard to describe. Like it's like tons of crunching leaves, like an army was moving through this area and fast, like. But I never saw any any animals. Um, so I wasn't like. I didn't know if it was maybe like a family of bears or something like rolling around or, you know, maybe it was that pack of coyotes running through, but it was just very strange because it was very loud, pretty fast moving, sounded like a lot of whatever it was. And, but I never saw any animals. So I mean, that was really strange. So I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that or has any idea what that might be. Definitely drop me a line uh, on Instagram or email me hunter at this is hunter'squest.com. I, yeah, like I said, to this day, I still don't know what it was. It was very weird, um, but kind of creepy too. But anyway, um, so that happened. And then, you know, I sat there a while. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not the best about staying in tree stands super long. Like once it gets, you know, unless it's like, peak rut and there's you know stuff moving around all over i'm pretty much out by 10 10 30 normally um so and plus i wanted to find a better spot like just didn't seem like a great spot so so yeah so climb down climb down the tree and as i was walking out actually um i saw a doe at the end of the clearing, like really close to my campsite, actually probably like 50 yards from my campsite. Um, so I kind of stalked in on her just to see what would happen and actually got to within 20 yards probably of this doe. And, um, and then eventually she saw me and, you know, locked on and, um, you know, I really was wishing that it was a doe day, honestly. Like, if it had been a legal doe day, I would have absolutely taken her, no question. Like, I'm not, I'm not proud. I'm not a trophy hunter. Like, I'm a meat hunter, and um, definitely would have taken her. But it was just, it wasn't a doe day. So, um, so let her walk, and um, kind of hung out there for a little bit to see if anything might be behind her. Wasn't. Um, but I was generally pretty encouraged by the fact that I had seen that deer earlier in the morning and then saw another one, uh, in the, you know, low density area. Um, so it wasn't, you know, for me, that was kind of a win. Um, especially given the, you know, minimal kind of, you know, I did a fair amount of e-scouting, but you know, this is a three or four hours away type area. So, you know, I'm not really able to get boots on the ground. Um, so just kind of basically going in there somewhere blind. Um, I was encouraged to see some life basically. 
So anyway, after that little encounter, I went back and and packed up camp. And, and while I was sitting on my, um, tree stand that morning, I was on Onyx, like trying to figure out like, okay, what's my next move? What's my next move? And, you know, I'd, I'd remembered hearing some podcasts and stuff about guys talking about eastward facing slopes and stuff like that. So I started kind of just starting from a high level, looking for some areas in the vicinity that looked interesting on Onyx and um, that were good with the prevailing wind and, you know, try to find some eastward facing slopes and some areas that were accessible, um, somewhat accessible by vehicle and stuff like that. So anyway, um, I thought I'd found a couple areas that looked decent. So I uh, got packed or got camp packed up and, um, and headed back. And so one thing that's just popped in my mind that I kind of do, I always hide like a spare key like somewhere near my vehicle um sometimes i'll even even leave it in the gas tank um but i don't know like i just always have the fear of like getting a couple miles back like dropping and losing my keys somewhere then i'm like stranded so i always take my keys or a spare key and like bury it or hide it somewhere near my vehicle obviously carefully don't want to lose it <laughs> but um that's something i always do but anyway so got back um recovered my key um got got my stuff together and um and took off to the next spot did some driving around and then i found the area that i had kind of uh identified on onyx that looked decent and um it was up on top of another ridge and then um like the road kind of ran up along this, this ridge. And then there was little logging roads that shot off the sides of the ridge, um, that went down into some different areas. Um, anyway, so, so I found this one that had, um, that had a little, I don't even know what to call it. It wasn't really a hiking trail. I guess maybe at some point it was a hiking trail, but anyway, whatever it was, it was closed to vehicles and it was off the main kind of logging road. So, um, I decided I was going to check that out. So, um, once I got up there again, let's see, I didn't no, I didn't pitch my camp at this point cause I wasn't sure if I was going to go there or not. I just kind of, um, readjusted my bag with like into like kind of my scouting setup. I don't think I even took my tree stand. Let me think. Um, no, I don't think I even took my tree stand. I was just kind of on a scouting mission. Um, and this was about, I want to say 12, 1230 in the afternoon. Um, I knew time was starting to get short. Um, so I parked up near the road and, and just bombed down this trail that went down uh, off the ridge and into a, there was a little creek down at the bottom. And just kind of, I wanted to cover as much ground as possible and just kind of take note of things as I went along because this little trail went probably two or three miles back off the main road. So I'm just kind of moving along, um, taking note. Um, I noticed it looked like a decent spot when I got to where the creek um, intersected with the trail, but I wanted to continue and see what was up ahead. Um, found some beautiful kind of uh, meadows back there. 
Um, but I decided I'd already kind of sat on a meadow kind of clearing type area and I wanted to be sort of more in the timber. Um, and I wasn't seeing any sign really around those meadows, even though they looked beautiful. So like I said, I probably went back like three miles back in there just exploring. Um, and then, um, I was kind of feeling, okay, maybe there's something in here. then I went back down to where the creek intersected the trail and right there next to the creek was a um, pretty decent sized eastward facing slope. Um, There was some acorns in the area. There's water right there. Um, And so it's kind of one of those edge type areas where you have um, a slope coming down and then you have some water. there was some pine and then also some hardwood mixed in. Um, so it seemed like it could be a decent area. I didn't have a lot of options, honestly. Time was getting time was getting low and I needed to kind of like make a decision. So so I got off the trail and kind of followed the creek up not far, maybe three, four hundred yards, and I looked over, I saw a huge scrape. So um you know, personally, I've never had a ton of luck, to be honest, uh, hunting over scrapes. Well, yeah, I'll be, I've never had any luck hunting over scrapes, to be honest. But um, either way, it was just, it felt like confirmation. It was like, okay, it's sign. There's deer here in the area. Um, you know, I, it was kind of like, okay, you're not crazy. You were right. This is a decent area. So I was like, you know what? That's good enough. And like I said, time was getting short. I didn't have a ton of options. And my trip, you know, it was only a two or three day trip. So I saw that scrape and I was like, all right, cool. Let's, this is it. Let's just hunt here. So at that point I book it, then uh, probably another, probably a mile and a half back to the trailhead where my truck was. Um, and that was the other thing too, is just a great walking path, like almost right to the spot. So you could get in there really quietly. Like it wasn't like you were bushwhacking for a mile, like scaring every animal in the woods out of there. There was a decent trail. I knew that then the next morning I'd be able to sneak in there pretty easily. Um, so I bombed back to the truck, um, you know, set up camp super fast right there at the trailhead next to my truck. Um, you know, tried to, and it was still warm. So I was like ripping clothes off, like setting up camp in my underwear, trying to like keep my scent down as much as possible. But anyway, um, then got my hunting stuff together, um, and, and went back to the spot, excuse me. And, um, and hung my stand and got up in there and found a really nice tree, like really, really close to that scrape, Uh, a little closer than I would have liked to be honestly, but not a whole lot of options. Again, which is a reason why I'd love to maybe get into saddle hunting at some point. Um, right now, I'm a little, I got too much going on with my Western stuff to really invest heavily in the whitetail stuff right now. But at some point, I'm going to move to saddle. It opens up your options a lot when it comes to trees. But anyway, I just picked the best tree I could and uh, and got up in there um, and sat. It was a beautiful spot. You could hear the, you know, you could hear the, uh, the water running and, um, one thing I found that was, that was good for me, uh, it worked for me well was, um, so the, the tree stand, uh, the lone wolf tree stand, it has, uh, you know, backpack straps on it. So I didn't need to pack it in with my XO pack. Um, because, you know, it was kind of just 
it wasn't going into camp in there. I just had my hunting stuff. So, um, it was only, like I said, like a mile, mile and a half from my truck. And, uh, so, but I did take the lid of my XO. So the lid pops right off and you can use that as like a day bag. So that was good to be able to put my puffies in there. Uh, a few other items, you know, my in reach and whatnot, uh, my extra, um, you know, my extra muzzleloader stuff. Um, so got up there. Oh, another thing that I really like to carry when I'm using a climber is, I don't know what they're called, but it's like a strap and it's got hooks on it that you can just like clip it around the tree and it, you can hang stuff on there. Like the, the climber, the Lin Wolf climber I'm in is like, it's very, um, Spartan. I don't know. It's, it's just like a tiny little platform and like a small foot platform. It's, there's no rail. There's, you can't like hang your jacket on. Like, so, you know, I've found when I'm trying to get settled and get my gear straight and everything, it's really helpful to have something you can hang stuff on and you don't want to always be screwing stuff into a tree and not only can it damage the tree, but it's just kind of a pain. So uh, it was actually my cousin got it for me for Christmas one year. It's just a strap and it's got these plastic hooks on it and you just strap it on the tree. I always carry one of those when I'm going to be climbing. Um, so clip that thing on there and you can hang your gun on it. You can hang your jacket on it, your little uh, day bag or whatever. So that was money. Um, anyway, got up in the tree and sat there. It was a beautiful, beautiful evening, beautiful sit, listening to the water. And, um, and yeah, it was, uh, a great evening hunt. Uh, didn't see anything, of course, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I climbed down and, uh, and I was pretty stoked because I thought it was going to be a, you know, a really good spot for in the morning. Um, and that's kind of the way, um, the best way to, that I found to hunt in this style, you know, if you're going in relatively blind to an area, you know, do your best to scout, um, find something that looks good for an evening sit get your climber in there in the daylight when you can see and everything sit there in the evening and then climb down and then you can just leave your climber at the base of the tree. Um, you know, go back to your campsite or whatever, you know, exactly where it is in the morning. Um, you know, it's already set up. It's already, the lengths are adjusted properly. You know, you set it up and tried it already. So you're not going to be climbing up in the dark and like, you know, running into a limb you didn't see and getting, getting screwed. So, it's kind of like a dry run in the evening and you just, you just know where your tree's at. You know, it's a good tree. Um, you know, and if you have to change it up, you can, um, but it's just nice to get things set up and ready to go on your tree the night before and then leave, leave your setup there. So that's what I did. Left my setup there and, um, and yeah, headed back to the trailhead and, uh, that night was much colder. Um, so, you know, um, that night I actually like, since I was by my truck, I actually got in my truck and like turned it on and turned the heat on while I was eating my mountain house. And I felt like it was like the lap of luxury, man. Like it was, um, I just felt like, I don't know when you don't have the creature comforts a little bit feels like a lot. So compared to the night before when I was just sitting on the ground, you know, alone in the dark, basically cold, um, you know, which was fun. Um, but I was able to sit in my truck. I think I actually was like listening to a podcast or something for a little bit, you know, had the heat roll in and was eating my meal and it just, it just felt nice. I'm not gonna lie. Um, 
So again, probably some of you guys are out there thinking I'm a huge sissy, but whatever. It felt good to get in there and get some heat and uh, I could actually see my food while I was eating and, and just uh, not sit there in complete silence in the dark. Uh, like I said, hunting by yourself is is an experience. It's something different. So anyway, um, after, I, after I did that, um, I think I sent, some, uh, sent an in-reach message to the wife, just let her know I was all right. And, um, and was hopeful about the morning. So, so yeah, so, uh, packed her in, um, reluctantly got out of the heat in the car and, uh, crawled in the tent and, um, had a really good night's sleep and, um, woke up again in the morning, ready to go. So, um, so yeah, like I said, I like to get in there pretty early. So yeah, um, woke up the next morning. Like I said, it was considerably colder um, that next morning, um, but I was hopeful, and um, it just feels nice knowing your tree stand is hung on, you know, in a good area. Um, like I said before, you know the tree is gonna work. You don't gotta be worrying about finding a tree in the dark. You don't gotta be worried about, you know setting your stand, uh, the circumference of your straps wrong. So you're like, you know, slanted all the way as that, you know, you know, I'm talking about, it's just nice. So, um, woke up, you know, got my hunting stuff together and, um, and started down this, this trail, which again was super nice, um, to have like a footpath that went almost right to the stand. Um, you know, it did have to, um, get off trail a little bit, but that's something else that, you know, is something good to carry. You know, sometimes I'll carry those little night eyes, um, reflecting tacks in with me. Um, just make sure when you leave, you get them, uh, unless you're going to be coming back or something. Um, but if you're doing like a one night thing like this and you want to mark your spot, that's something good to have. Um, those little glowing, uh, reflective tacks or, you know, um, you can be more incognito and just kind of put like a stick or something on the trail. Um, but even if it's an easy seeming find the next day, um, just on the abundance of caution, mark your spot where you're going to have to turn in. So that's what I did. I had a big, big stick laid out in the trail so I wouldn't miss it. Plus it was right by a Creek. So it was pretty hard to miss, but um, but yeah, I was able to sneak back in there. Um, I think I had jumped a deer on the way in, if I remember correctly. Um, but it was pretty good area. Like I said, I was hopeful. Um, got in there, snuck in. My my climber is, is really quiet, so those lone wolf uh, climbers, um, I need to get another one. It's starting to get a little old, but they use this like rubber strap kind of thing. It's almost like a like a belt type material, um, this rubberized stuff, but it's super quiet. Um, so I, I do really like that tree stand lone wolf, uh, climber. It's an older one. It's probably like 10 years old to be honest with you. Um, but it's uh, no nonsense. Like I said, small, uh, you definitely want to wear a harness cause it's kind of creepy up there. <laughs> if you're any more than like 15 feet off the ground. Um, like I said, the, the platform is small. It's probably like this big. And, um, so yeah, wear your harness for sure. It's a little creepy, but it is light and mobile. Um, and it's served me well. So anyway, climbed up in there and sat, 
um, and just had a really beautiful morning. Just watched the sunrise. Um, you know, like I said, you could hear the brook Creek right behind me kind of babbling and, um, just really beautiful country. Um, you know, I didn't see any deer in the new spot. Um, which is kind of interesting because I really thought it was going to be a good spot. But like I said, hunting the mountains in Appalachia, like that's just something you got to get kind of used to. And it's something I'm not used to, you know, as a guy coming from hunting farming land, you know, where I'm at, the deer densities are high. And it's not a question really of if you're going to see a deer, it's like, are you going to see the one you want to shoot? Is it going to be in range? But you're pretty much going to see deer like for the most part. So it's definitely something to get used to in terms of, um, you know, to be successful, it's going to take more, more effort, more time, more patience. <clears throat> and that's where listening to guys like Bo Martonic from East meets West, um, or, um, you know, Nathan Killen, these types of dudes that have a lot of experience hunting mountain bucks. Um, it's, it's a different game. It's like, um, you know, it like, it's just a different game. That's all I can say. It just, but the opportunity is there and it's, it's waiting for you. Um, you know, you can have just as much of an adventure driving three hours into the mountains in your home state as you can, you know, waiting three years to draw an elk tag out West. Um, I think you should do both, but all I'm trying to say is, is get out there. Um, so anyway, I sat there Again, I'm not super good about staying in the stand like all day or anything. And I just wasn't seeing any really like rut activity or anything like that anyway. So uh, I did eventually climb down. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I was thinking about originally this being a three night and kind of four day sort of trip, Um, you know, and it didn't turn out that way. I ended up uh, going home that day, later that day. Um, I'm not necessarily proud of it, but it was just, you know, I was kind of actually down on myself a little bit at first, like, Oh, you quit and all this stuff. But you know, it's, you gotta have balance too. And I'd already gone on a really big trip that year and, um, done some other, some other trips. So, you know, my wife was at home with the kids and I'd been hunting a lot at home. So, um, I kind of just decided like, you know, I could stay up here alone another night. Um, you know, maybe see some deer, try to find another spot or stick to this spot. Um, but, uh, or just head home and, and kind of spend an extra day with the family. Um, not to mention I need to like, you know, take care of all my gear and stuff like that before going to back to work the next day. So I ultimately did make the decision to head back that day. Um, but I climbed down from my stand like I said, it was a gorgeous day. Like I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. Just thinking back about just the crisp, clean air, the beautiful sunrise, the the sound of the Creek behind me, just the solitude of being back there. Um, definitely kind of type two fun. I mean, it was pretty fun in the moment too, but looking back, it's just a great memory. Um, even though it wasn't like successful, I learned a ton by going back there. I stretched myself. I got out of my comfort zone. Like I said, like even like two years ago, I, you probably would not have been able to talk me into camping alone. Um, you know, going out in the, let alone going out in the mountains, 
you know, more than one night alone hunting. Like I would have been like, no, no, I'm good. And, you know, to be honest with you, um, it wasn't like, you know, some guys I feel like are just wired for solo hunting. I don't necessarily think I'm one of those guys. I enjoy the camaraderie. I enjoy, um, you know, having someone to share the experience with. Um, so I'm not saying I'll never solo hunt again. I'm sure I probably will. Um, but I'm not one of those guys that just was like, Oh, it was so awesome. Like just, I loved it. I, I really enjoy having the, the camaraderie, uh, you know, and like I said, sharing the experience with someone else. So, you know, I learned that about myself. You know, I learned, um, I learned about more about gear and, and hunting mountain deer, um, patience. I got some great time with God. Um, so it was an amazing experience. And the biggest thing is just getting, like I said, getting out of your comfort zone, um, doing things that are hard, even though, like I said, you know, probably some guys are listening. You're like, you're, you're a huge wimp. That's not hard at all. But if it's your first time ever, um, and you've never done a solo trip, um, it's not easy. So, um, you know, just get out there and do it. Um, get out of your comfort zone. Um, you may love it. Um, so, and you know, there's, I just, I keep saying it, but there's just adventure to be had anywhere. You don't have to keep putting it off and say, Oh, well, when I save up the money, I'll go to Colorado or whatever, man, just get out there, do it. Um, just test yourself, push yourself. Don't hide behind that. I feel like some guys probably even use that as an excuse a little bit like, Oh, I just don't have the money or the time to get out there and do these backcountry hunts. Well, dude, go for the weekend, like go in Western Virginia, go in West Virginia, go in Pennsylvania, pick up a free, easy over the counter tag, you know, grab a buddy or go solo and, and just go have some fun. It's definitely worth it. So, uh, don't have any other solo trips planned this year. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other like sort of takeaways I got from it. Um, not really just other than, it was just a cool experience. Like I said, looking back on it right now, um, I definitely wouldn't trade it for anything. It's a really great memory. I'm flipping through some pictures right here. Um, it's also a great way to just to test, test your gear, um, see what systems work, what needs to be improved on, um, you know, where you're comfortable, where you're confident, where you're not. Um, you know, it's, it's good for in improving your woodsmanship skills for, um, trying to make quick decisions and locating game. It's all stuff that if nothing else, it's, it's great practice for a bigger hunt in terms of getting your gear dialed, you know, finding game, just every aspect of it is, is, uh, is valuable. Even if, you know, you come out there and you don't fill a tag, um, the experience is going to be valuable and going to be worth it. So, um, again, I'm just kind of looking through here, my, uh, my pictures to see if there's any other kind of takeaways I had, um, from the trip. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just also, you know, if nothing else, it's, it's not easy this day and age to, step away from the phones and the emails and all that stuff. And we all know that we talk about that a lot on this show and, and, and other places it's talked about a lot. Um, 
even if it's two or three days of just getting back, getting some clarity, getting some time to just be a man in in the wilderness or a woman, if you're a woman, um, just to being a person. And um, it's it's definitely worthwhile. So I will say in closing, you know, don't be discouraged if you don't have the money or the time to go on a big out-of-state hunt. Um, don't use that as an excuse not to get out of your comfort zone. You know, you're probably very comfortable, you know, sleeping in your own bed, getting dressed in your warm house, you know, listening to a podcast in your car on the way out, walking 300 yards to your tree stand, uh, you know, you get a little cold and hungry, you go back, grab a Hardy's biscuit or whatever. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I've hunted like that. I will still probably hunt like that to some degree. Um, but just get out and have a totally immersive experience. Even if it's for one night, even if it sounds scary and it sounds awful, like it will be worth it in the long run. Um, you know, just get out of your comfort zone. Start planning a trip. Um, just pick pick a weekend. Talk to your wife. Talk to your girlfriend. Whatever. Um, talk to your husband. Um, <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, but just plan something. Like get it on the calendar and um, start e-scouting. Get excited about it. And uh, go have some adventure. There's adventure to be had right here if you're willing to... Um, get out of your comfort zone, you know, be a little cold, be a little hungry, be a little confused, not know exactly what's going on. It is absolutely worth it. It will make you a better person. It will make you a better hunter. Um, I think anyone who calls himself a hunter should absolutely by default have to do at least one solo trip in their hunting career. Like you just have to do it. So just do it. Just do it this year. Um, if you if you do end up doing it, make sure you be safe. Bring an inReach or some other type of communication device. Of course, let people know where you're going to be. Be smart about it, but do it. And let me know if you guys uh, plan a solo adventure. And I want to hear about your adventures. So, um, so drop me a line if you have any questions about solo hunting. Uh, I'm not an expert, but I know something about it. And uh, drop me a line uh, at the Hunter's Quest on Instagram or hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. Uh, please like and review. Leave me a rating on the show. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm really looking forward to uh, coming back from my adventures this year and sharing those on the podcast and on YouTube. So stick around. Thank you guys for all your support and uh, go out and have an adventure. Get uncomfortable and grow. All right, guys, take her easy. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Hunter's Quest podcast and make sure you stay up to date on social media at the Hunter's Quest on Instagram and the Hunter's Quest podcast on Facebook. And we'll have all kinds of photos and videos from my day-to-day, as well as stuff from the awesome guests we're having on here. As always, I'm more than happy to connect with you guys if you have questions about hunting 
or spiritual stuff or gear, fitness, whatever, just drop me a line in my DMs or you can email me at hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button and leave me a rating and a review. That's really helpful. And don't forget to share with your friends. So stay tuned. Lots of cool stuff in the works. And I'm really excited to continue this quest together.